welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Well, I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Okay. Because we're recording this mere, uh, uh, mere an hour and a half after I've seen Wonder Woman. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, which I liked quite a bit. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about the movie itself more at length. Um on our next movie journal, which will be four hours long because <laughs> we have so much catching up to do. Boy, oh boy. Um, but, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm glad that I saw the movie before we were, we're recording this episode a little bit later than we had uh, in the week than we had intended to mm-hmm. initially, but it gave me a chance to see the movie because there were some things that wanted that I wanted to, uh, to talk about the, in terms of the film Twitter response, um, not to the movie, but basically to, negative reviews of the movie, uh, uh, which are few and far between. Yeah, um, it's mostly positive. I don't know if I've read a negative one yet. Well, um, I've read probably three negative ones. Uh, but what, the thing I want to talk about, it has nothing to do with Wonder Woman. It has to do with confirmation bias and, you know, things being misrepresented in a way that people are willing to buy because it backs up how you feel. Sure. So, um, Someone and I don't know why uh, I'm I'm a real dummy. I'm not sure why I didn't uh, think to pull this up beforehand so I could read the quote exactly. Um, but someone wrote a, a, a review. You know what? Let me just find it. It's okay. Um, I know I have it um, right uh, here. It's okay. Here it is. So the quote. This is this one sentence from the review from Guardian.com. Okay. Um, completely out of context. It says, confusingly, Diana later explains that men are essential for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. Got it. Now, out of context. I've seen this, yes. Out of context, that makes it sound like this guy who wrote the thing doesn't understand the concept of homosexuality. Right. Which is, and I, and I understand it's a negative review of the movie. You like the movie. You want this guy to be dumb, right? Right. <laughs> like, that's your confirmation bias. You're saying, well, look, here's evidence that he's dumb. No. He's wrong. He's clearly dumb. Um, and I'd it, say it could be seen as anti-feminist. This, like a man being like, confusingly, right. they don't think a man is necessary. <laughs> I don't get it. We're always necessary. Right. I, I think, yeah, I think how, there, there is a certain, yeah, uh, I, I think that's that's true. Especially, uh, you know, now that you mention that, because this is the the the... Uh, I'm forgetting the writer's name. It's not important at all. I told you guardian.com. You can look it up. Um, but his argument is not, is basically like one of the reasons he didn't like the movie is that it's sort of lip service. Feminism is his argument. Um, he's saying the movie's essentially not feminist enough, which is the same argument that Melissa Anderson made in the village voice. And no one was, you know, uh, (laughs) pulling quotes out of her, but to be, to be fair to both sides on its own, that is a dumb sentence. Right. Um, but I not having seen the movie was like that, like the the guy can't be that dumb. Right. So I went and did what I think a lot of people who were sharing this quote didn't do. I went and read the review and realized, Oh, in the context of the paragraph, this makes perfect sense. What he's saying is confusing is because Diana, Diana has talked about how she was, um, you know, she's never met the opposite sex and she was made from clay and given life. And so what he's saying is this idea that men are necessary for procreation. That's what's confusing to him because yes. of what she has just said. Um, now, having seen the movie an hour and a half ago, I think this guy didn't understand the scene uh, on, on the boat. Mm-hmm. Like where this where this uh, line was 
uh, was spoken. And so maybe he is, maybe he is a little dumb, but not so dumb that he doesn't know what lesbians are. Uh, And so I guess I just wanted to call out like there's for those of you, whether you're like me, you know, and you're a liberal or you're like Tyler and you're a conservative, there are plenty of things out there that are legitimately worth getting up in arms about. We don't, it's like, it doesn't, it only hurts our cause to make shit up or misrepresent shit or overreact to shit that we haven't researched. Yes. So I do agree that this guy, I, I don't agree with this guy's review. And I also having seen the movie do think that he maybe wasn't paying full attention during certain <laughs> scenes, uh, because he seems to have misunderstood the nature of the conversation that he's, that he was confused by here. Um, but it doesn't, if it is a feminist thing or if it is just, you know, a, one woman is good and anyone who thinks otherwise is dumb thing. It doesn't help to do this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, it's funny, but I, I wanted to bring this up because there was another poll quote that I saw that I wanted to defend, which was, uh, uh, and I, I wanted past tense. I wanted to defend it. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it was uh, the David Edelstein review in Vulture, which got a lot of attention. Okay. Um, uh, so much so that we might be, you know, doing an entire episode next week inspired by it. Oh, yes. Um, but one thing he described, um, Diana in the movie as a super babe in the woods. And to me, I was like, well, babe in the woods is a common phrase. And especially right. now that I've seen the movie, that's a pretty accurate uh, representation of, of how she uh, is in a lot of ways yeah. and super because she's a superhero to me that passed the sniff test and people were, and I was like, you're, I you know, like it, yeah. and then, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I don't think he, I was like, I don't think this guy's trying to be, you know, Wayne and Garth and like call her a super babe. Uh, right. But then I did the same thing I did with the Guardian review. I read the rest of his review, his review, and there is a lot of uncomfortable shit in that review. So I can't necessarily stand. I still, I still think Super Baby in the Woods on its own. Mm. It, it seems like it's innocent, and I don't think he's trying to be um, lascivious or anything. But uh, uh, that review is uncomfortable to me. It's tough. I did was, you read it? The, no, the I Vulture didn't. review because he t- like he says that like something like. Israeli women are a breed unto themselves. Or a different breed. Like that's weird and dehumanizing. And also like, well, Diane is not Israeli. So you're talking just about the actors here. Um, and then he like lam- essentially laments that there isn't more like bondage and S and M stuff. Um, it, in historical context, the early 1940s, Wonder Woman was full of that kind of stuff. Cause the oh, guy okay. who created it was into that kind of stuff. Oh, yes. And so that's what he's referencing. But it's also like, well, there was, <laughs> That was five years, 70 years ago. There's yeah. been lifetimes of Wonder Woman stuff that wasn't about that. So why are you so upset? Why yeah. are you why, why are you so upset that uh, Diana didn't get tied up more? It's it's a it's kind of a creepy review. Like, well, she's got the lasso of truth there. Come on, let's <laughs> let's get this going. And then the guy like wrote a response to the response to his review, which didn't help <laughs> at all because uh, he uh, like in yeah, I mean, in some cases he seemed to miss on like be obtuse to how his words read, but also he pulled some snobby shit that I like am particularly incensed by because it's the same kind of snobbiness that I am prone to, mm. which was like, basically he was like, I didn't realize everyone was going to take this review of this big summer blockbuster movie. So seriously. Um, so I was like, fuck you because of course you hate and other things, the things you hate most about yourself. So, uh, well, and it's, uh, I, yeah, man, that bothers me so much because, because did you take your review seriously? 
if so, uh, right? Then, are you you're saying you just toss this thing off and yeah. people shouldn't be? Yeah. And then the the other thing is. So there are, there are old episodes of Siskel and Ebert and Siskel is very, very open about like, and the, and the way he, he often phrases like, he'll be talking about some, I don't know, I can't even picture the movie, but he said it a few times where he goes, this movie turned me on. And I was like, <laughs> damn it, Gene Siskel. Like, it's a weird thing. I don't like picturing this. Uh, but invariably he, the reason that he t- says that is because the nature of the movie is for that. And so in the same way that if it were a comedy, he'd say this movie made me laugh. And so right. it's like, it's being effective in that way. I think that's so, valid. So that's, but I don't want to get that's into, different. Yeah. And than, I don't want I also don't want to get too much into this conversation right. because we are hoping if, right. if people's schedules permit, we are hoping to do an episode inspired by this yeah. uh, next week. Um, yeah. So I don't want to get too uh, into it. And, uh, it, and it'll be fun. Uh, have you ever read anything by John Simon? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. Send me some links or yeah. before then. Okay. John Simon commenting on Barbara Streisand and was, is one of the most horrific things you'll ever read in your life. Oh, um, have you, no, I know he has opinions about her nose, David is what I'm saying. Well, that's like, I know, and I hate to say this because I know you and I both uh, have uh, admired the work of Mick LaSalle in the past. But have yeah. you seen his his his, his obsession, no. his <laughs> obsession with like her jawline? No, it's like it's in like multiple reviews. People have like pasted together like he can't not mention her like jaw and mouth when he writes about her. Well, it's it makes, weird. It makes you wonder. I guess this is for this is for next week. So I'll try to keep this short. It makes you wonder. Homework, homework assignment, David, for you and me. Okay. Let's think about any actors or actresses that when we either talk about them or write about them, we will go back to this one thing. Now, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't off the top of my head, but yeah. But I'm sure there's someone. There's. I feel like everybody's got... Everyone probably has a blind spot where they're like, this person appeals to me in some part- in some way, physically, uh, and not even necessarily like in a sexual way, but for they're distinct in a way that I can't not think of when I think of them. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess we probably talked about it a little bit with Kristen a few weeks ago when we were talking about actors people hate because there yeah, are certain that's true. things that people just don't like about the way people look. Yeah. Or sound. <laughs> or, or sound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, now the other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the topic, and this is way more up the Tyler alley. Oh, good, good. Have you heard about what Sony's doing with the home video releases? Yeah. <laughs> See, now this is one where you and I are going to disagree, I think. All right. Because studios editing their content for broadcast or for airlines has been happening longer than I've been alive. Yes. Why is this different? Why is anyone upset about this? Oh, you don't have to. No one's going to make you watch these versions. No, my bigger concern has less to do with what the studio is necessarily doing. Oh, we should say what they're doing. Do you want oh, to say what they're yeah. doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's certainly not all of their films, but a good a selection of about twenty twenty five movies. Uh, and I don't know if that was just a sampling, but it seems to be some of their movies that are both PG thirteen and occasionally rated R. They are releasing for like on like for digital download or something. I don't remember I, it, the article I said said for home video, but home, but that could mean, yeah, yeah that could mean VOD or, or okay. digital. Yeah. But yeah, so they're, they're releasing, um, uh, censored or cleaner versions mm-hmm. of their movies. Um, so basically whittling these movies down to probably about a PG for, okay. for family consumption. So tell me why I should be so incensed by this. <sighs> It has less to do with what the studio is doing and has more to do with the reactions I've been reading. 
Uh, oh, because you is, uh, you follow a different internet than I do. I do. <laughs> I wish I didn't, but I do because I'm curious. I'm I'm perpetually curious about it, only to have my curiosity curiosity satisfied negatively every single time. <laughs> um, no, so uh, you know. Long story short, there was a service called VidAngel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thankfully has been mostly shut down. Um, they're going to start making their own movies at this point because they have a lot of money. Um, but yeah, they had a, an option where the viewer could choose to edit out like all the language or mm-hmm. some or sexuality or violence or whatever. Um, and I have allowed myself to get pulled into a lot of arguments about that uh, in in the Christian community. Uh, but the, and they, I mean, I'm against that because they have no rights to those movies, right? Um, regardless of the legal uh, loopholes that uh, the company itself uh, said it had, but obviously it did not. Um, so uh, I think more than anything, I, I'm I'm actually from a certainly from a legal standpoint, and just in general, I think I'm the studio can do what it wants. Yeah, I, mean, I think um, it's it's probably a movie by movie, by movie basis. Certain yeah. filmmakers probably have more control over their own work, right? Um, but, um, yeah, in general, it's the studio's movie, especially if it is a PG 13 movie or something like that, something that will likely play on TV or on airplanes. Uh, you know, there are some R rated movies. It's like, this is not, this can't be adapted to TV. Um, but if it's a PG 13 movie, then it's like, okay, yeah, well, Sometimes, in some cases, it's rare, but in some cases, in some cases, they'll actually have you shoot an alternate version of a certain scene, knowing that yeah. that's the one they're going to be putting in. Yeah, that doesn't the, happen as much anymore. Yeah, but it yeah. used to happen not of, frequently, but a yeah. fair amount. And the idea of the um, dialogue replacement used, yeah. used to be standard. You had to had to do that. Yeah. Um, until it became a joke, and now they don't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the Hot Tub Time Machine one? No, which one is that? It's the actors did the own, their own replacement, but I I can't remember. I think the word is watermelon. They essentially replaced every cuss word with the word watermelon. That's I could funny. be wrong about what the word is, but it's just they just didn't take it seriously. That's funny. Um, because now, yeah, now uh, stuff uh, weirdly movies play on TV less than they used to. Yeah. Um, and when they do, people just prefer things to be the audio to be dropped out or bleeped. I think that's where people are now because we've probably been accustomed to years of like reality television just bleeping, sure, uh, bleeping words. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I, 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 I'll bet it is that, uh, because, and I think it's just, because I know when I was a kid and I heard, you know, alternate words used, yeah. my first thought was like, okay, which one, now some cases, like slug in a ditch, it's pretty obvious what it was. Yeah. But every once in a while, I'm like, huh, I wonder which one they actually said. I can't quite place it. Like Tremors had a lot of that. Tremors has so many yeah. words, like, uh, um, Judas priest instead of Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I can't remember what there were. There are a bunch. I used to know it. That's, I, I guess this is why I'm part of why I'm not bothered by it is there are certain movies like tremors or blazing saddles that I've seen the TV edited version way more than I've seen the original sure. one because I taped it when I was 11 years old and watched it constantly. Yep. Um, so I'm, right. I'm way more accustomed like the jerk. Like it, I still like forget that the dog's name is shithead and not stupid because that's right. it was stupid on TV. And that's how I saw the jerk most of the time. Um, uh, and so like when I watch the movie, the R rated movie now, and he calls the dog shithead, I f- like it's, it's a surprise to me all over again. Side note. I mean, the jerk, Doug Benson, 
look, everybody's correct. Shithead is one of the funniest (laughs) ideas for an insult ever. Um, It's like your head is made of shit. Like that's ridiculous. It's like fuck face. You have a face like fuck. Um, Anyway. Uh, I forgot what I was saying. Oh yeah. And so, no, I, I'm, I don't necessarily begrudge, uh, Sony, uh, although on Facebook I did a little bit just to, uh, rile other people up. There you go. Um, cause that's who I've become. Uh, and yeah, it has more to do with certain Christian attitudes. Like rather than simply say, Oh good. You know, the airplane version is being released to me. Now I can, now I feel like I can watch this. All right. That's fine. But almost invariably, they go one or two steps beyond that, and they just say, like, any movie that is this, I won't watch. Any movie that is this is garbage, is trash. It's never necessary. It's just that. They, and once you say that certain choices are never necessary, guess what? You ventured into the world of film criticism, uh, <laughs> but in a really dumb way. And so it's a thing that, that bothers me tremendously. So it's not so much what Sony is doing. It is the reactions that I have seen uh, and this feeling, ugh. And I, I saw this a couple of times. The uh, we won. Huh. Oh. I mean, did they? I guess so. The, it's there. Because you know what I think? I mean, maybe they did win, but I think of it as a uh, let the baby have his bottle type of situation. Yeah, it could be. And also, I mean, it's it's notable that Sony is the one doing this because Sony has not been doing great lately uh, with their movies. There's a reason they had to give Spider-Man, not had to, there's a reason they right. gave Spider-Man over to Marvel. They're like, look, we can't be ha- trusted to handle anything, whether it be Ghostbusters or Spider-Man. So maybe or we'll make online a- security. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, or uh, Walkmans that they don't even make those anymore. Um, yeah. They really took a bath on those <laughs> when they get two decades. Uh, and so there is a, so I wonder if it's just an attempt to bring in an audience uh, or a demographic that, uh, that they are aware exists, but mm-hmm. they thought like, uh, who cares? And other studios can afford to say who cares, but Sony's like, hey, we've we have an op- opportunity here to make some yeah. more money with stuff that already exists. We don't even have to put any more money into it. So maybe it's yeah. that. Yeah, I'm not bothered. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm again. I'm not uh, necessarily bothered by them. It's, I'm sure I, you've I seen like this. Ed- where edited versions have existed of movies yeah. forever, and in this case, they will be clearly marked marked as being the edited version. You don't have to watch. You might have to watch them if you're a kid because that's what your parents make you watch. Sure. But being a kid sucks. No one ever said it didn't. It's totally unfair. It's true. <laughs> it makes you appreciate adulthood more. Yeah. Uh, the other day I got a pizza. <laughs> what was I, the occasion? I, there wasn't one. <laughs> I was hungry. David is the occasion. Uh, the um, I will say this that you may recall on the on the podcast years ago I talked about the film uh, a documentary called Clean Flicks. Yeah, there were uh, several video stores. So this is, you know, early 2000s, several mm-hmm. video stores, specifically in Utah, but elsewhere as well, uh, in which people would buy uh, DVD copies of movies and then they would edit out the stuff themselves and then rent them out to their local community. And then the studios actually uh, sued them. They had to shut down. But what they what those uh, video store owners said was that, like, how about this? How about you sell us or you license uh, out to us? Uh, the airplane versions of movies and that way you still have your control and we just treat it like a, like a regular video store where we have full permission from you, but it's this specific thing. And the, 
and the studios and the directors guild incidentally said no we don't want to do that and that and that why. seemed a little stubborn and shitty as well which is like let's meet in the middle and so finally it's like it's sort of a let a, let the baby have its bottle combined with you know what maybe the maybe the baby was kind of right um why am i being stubborn with this baby um <laughs> so uh a baby stubbornness will always win incidentally uh. So anyway, yeah. uh, it, so it reminded me of that first, uh, but there's just that attitude of, yeah, yeah, this stuff is never, is never necessary in the first place. And we won that I'm like, ah, so, I also don't like the idea of indulging a kid that's throwing a tantrum <laughs> Oh yeah, know, to I'd, keep that going. Yeah. Uh, I certainly never was as a kid. Um, uh, that's why I'm the awesome adult that I am. Um, one more thing. Oh boy. So many things, but I completely forgot. Speaking of movies I watched on TV as a kid, one movie I watched a gazillion, gazillion times as a kid and then into adulthood and then never replaced when I got rid of my VHS collection but uh, and need to go ahead and buy on DVD or Blu-ray is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, oh, okay. which is why I want to say RIP Glenn Headley. Glenn Headley died this yeah. week, um, and I've been a big fan. Like like I said, I watched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels all the time as a kid, and yeah. then Dick Tracy, Dick uh, Tracy. which he was Tess, Tr- Tess Trueheart, um, and so I've been a huge fan of Glenn Headley for a long time into you know stuff like uh, breakfast of champions, which I'm one of 10 people on the planet who liked. Yeah. Um, and you know, just recently she was in two or three episodes of the night of, um, and I know she's got, uh, some stuff in the can, um, that is, uh, coming out. She's she, I know she's in Ron Shelton's new movie that's coming out. Mm. And then she's on, uh, some sci-fi comedy TV show that Seth Rogen produced. Um, hmm. uh, she's in the first season of that. Um, so I look forward to more, but, uh, I, Glenn Headley has been a, a constant presence in, in my life. Um, and I've always been a huge fan. Uh, she was a great actress and also a great comedic actress. Um, and something not to make this about, you know, um, you know, feminist issues, but just like, this is, I was talking about this on Twitter the morning that I learned that she died, which is Friday morning. Um, like, uh, you know, before I knew that there was ever any people who thought that women weren't as funny as men, mm. I already knew that women were funny because of women like Glenn Headley. Well, and also there's a, there's something interesting in her, especially about uh, in, in something like Dick Tracy. Um, she, I think I said this on Twitter that like she exuded strength and intelligence, mm-hmm. and in the midst of Dick Tracy, where already there's the possibility. You know, you have all of these, all of these like tough guys with the weird faces and all that, and they're all firing off uh, Tommy guns, and you know, and because they're wearing these these uh, primary color uh, mm-hmm. trench coats and stuff like that, uh, they are more a part of the the art direction than I would say Tess Trueheart is. It would be very easy for her to get swallowed up, but and it could be easy. For me, certainly as a kid, the idea is like, oh, why are we focusing on romance at all? <laughs> um, and yet, what's interesting, I did think that with uh, Breathless Mahoney. I did not think that with Tre- Tess Trueheart because she was amusing. She had more of a personality as opposed to just like a sex appeal thing. And she had a real ro- uh, rapport with uh, Charlie Corsmo as the kid. And she just she could be amusing. She could be a source of strength for Dick Tracy. You, you understand why he keeps wanting to come back to her and that, Mm -hmm. and you realize that, 
oh, he's not, he's really a uh, non-committal. That's his issue. Not like she's not a nagging wife. Like she's or, or a nagging or whatever, like the, the cliche right. that you see, uh, that he is an idiot for not wanting to marry yeah. her, um, because yeah. she can keep up with him. And I remember like, and then she was also great in, um, I was looking up her filmography, uh, Mr. Holland's Opus, which is a, not, not a great film, but it has some strong performances. And I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I don't really remember. And she's, she's his, uh, his wife. And it is mm-hmm. a very strong performance and very strong character. Like when I think of her, I think of real strength, which is saying something because her voice was not like this deep husky voice. It's actually pretty high. And one could say it has, it's, this isn't necessarily what I mean, but it's the only word I can think of. Her voice sounded weak, but she herself was not. And, mm. and it is, uh, it is unfortunate that she passed away at, at such a young age, 62. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's awful. I mean, if you, I, you didn't watch the night of, I, right? not. I mean, that was the last thing I would have seen her in. Um, and she certainly didn't seem like she was, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, aging, uh, aging out of the world <laughs> yeah. at the time. Uh, she was, I forget she was also in Don John, the, uh, which I didn't see. Uh, it's good. It's a good movie. Um, okay. So rest yeah, in peace. Absolutely. And let's pay some bills. All right. Uh, so this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Now, I think I've said this, that the paper that I'm writing right now is very much about like the various uh, developments of the internet that uh, have you can't necessarily blame them. It's, there's a lot of, there's this, this odd uh, cocktail of, of elements that have led to, I think a certain dumbing down when it comes to talking about movies, um, and thinking about movies. Uh, and I find myself like in the, in the research that I've done, I find myself, I keep arriving at Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as like this monolithic streaming service that will acquire movies from Sundance and then essentially just bury them because they don't care about the movie itself. They want to be able to say, Hey, we got that popular movie from mm-hmm. Sundance. Now, if you'll uh, please watch more of our uh, stand up specials, that would be mm-hmm. great. Um, but then they have that skip intro feature on certain movies that they did have on TV. They changed from the five stars to the two thumbs up mm-hmm. or to the, to the thumbs up or thumbs down. Like they just keep simplifying things. And it's really not about presenting hmm. film to people. It's about, having as much content as possible. And so in the midst of that, I did, you know, I also looked at, I juxtaposed other streaming services like Fandor, like Filmstruck, and in our case here, uh, like Mubi. Um, and so I actually uh, wound up interviewing uh, uh, Daniel at, at Mubi for oh, cool. my paper. And so I was actually very excited to do that. Um, and so it, all this is to say that, uh, researching this paper gave me a deeper appreciation for movie and super excited that they sponsor the show. Um, because Not that you want me, we were excited before. Of I was course. excited before, but it's, you kind of have a, but now it's a cause. Yeah, honestly, yeah. like, because Netflix is so much about quantity and there's some good stuff in there, of course, but almost statistically there has to be. Um, and so one, I could see someone say like, wait, only 30 movies at a time on movie. Like, now, of course, there's a new one every day, as we've said, but like right, yeah. 
only 30 movies at a time. It's like, yeah, but the, it's, it's which 30 are they? Yeah. And so, uh, so I just wanted to, to mention that go, go kind of out of, uh, uh, off the beaten path of these ads usually. But, uh, but I did, I did want to mention, um, that, uh, currently on movie, they do feature a couple of films by Morris angle. Uh, one is called lovers and lollipops, which he co-directed with Ruth Orkin. And one is called weddings and babies. Now his name said, I hadn't seen either of them, but his, his name sounded familiar. And I realized he was one of three directors of the film, little fugitive, which is oh. one of my, an, an astonishing movie that I absolutely adore. And when I saw Little Fugitive, which came out in the early 50s, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, this really feels different than movies of the time. Uh, this feels almost French New Wave or just American Independent. And sure enough, even uh, I, I'd, I'd read that certain filmmakers, certain French filmmakers, were heavily influenced by that movie. Sorry. Little Flu- Little Fugitive is not on there. They've featured it in the past, sure. but it's not the on Morris there. But Morris Angle stuff is available there. Also available uh, is Eric Steele's The Bridge, a documentary about the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and its infamous reputation as a magnet for suicide attempts. Yeah. Have you seen that? Film? No, I'm uh, I'm scared to watch it. It's rough stuff. I actually watched, yeah, you watched it. it. I watched it shortly before Jen and I went to uh, San Francisco. Uh, it's actually the reason <laughs> that we went because it's like let's get this over with. Yeah. Um, but it is. Uh, you know, I've because of certain uh, things in my family. By things, I mean suicides. I don't know why I'm beating around the bush. Uh, I've always been fascinated at the notion of of suicide uh, and w- how a person gets to a certain yeah. place where they think this is the only alternative. And the fact that so many people—it's very haunting. The bridge, the the documentary is very haunting because you do see, you know, camera footage of people yeah. just dropping off into the mist. It's very. It's very scary. Um, you know the um, the Good Wife did an episode that was very loosely inspired by oh, really? by that. Which like the, there was a filmmaker who had a camera set up at a bridge where people killed yeah. themselves and yeah. It's it's a it's a really it's a really good movie and uh, and one that does not go out of its way to try to ex- over explain things because some things are unexplainable. Like after a while people go to the golden gate bridge because that's what people do, hmm. uh, in that area. And so, um, so it's a really great, it's, it's a really great film. And that is uh, currently on, on movie. I believe it's about, it's about midway through, so I think you've got a couple weeks to watch it, but uh, but do check it out. Uh, and there's a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for one month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I.com, slash Battleship, to redeem now. And I want to tell you about TweakedAudio.com earbuds, which are uh, professional-quality earbuds that come in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. We use them each and every day of our lives, uh, and they're available at a low, low price over at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY 
at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler. Yes? Let me tell you what's on the website right now. Okay. You got West looking at uh, Cameron Crowe's movie, Singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gr- a great uh, soundtrack and obviously very timely yeah. with the recent passing of Chris Cornell. Yeah, who played um, a, a big role uh, in that soundtrack. He wrote some of those songs, yeah, uh, specifically um, for uh, Matt Dillon's character. Oh, you mean the songs that Matt Dillon's character yeah. plays? Okay, yeah. and then there's also his so his song Seasons right. um, on the soundtrack, which is a good song. Um, Sarah's still working her way through the top 100. She's in the 50s, she's almost halfway there. I, I guess we're almost halfway through the year. This is a 2017 project. She looked at Back to the Future. Uh, the double feature guys looked at Kamiko, the Treasure Hunter, and the Human Centipede 2, obviously. Um, it's an odd combination of films. Uh, I've, I've yeah. only seen Kamiko. I, I have not seen the other one, but um, now I'm curious, too. Uh, Alex, who did the Criterion production, wrote about a, a Fassbender film called Effie Breast. Um, sequel cast, or sorry, sequel cast 2, Thank you. has been working their way through the Hellraiser franchise, which is a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun for me to pick out images for the for the posts um, I've, I've it is kind of hard sometimes when googling images from hellraiser like am i sure this image is from hellraiser 3 and not hellraiser yeah. 2 like yeah. uh you know uh pinhead is always pinhead uh you've never seen any of them i've only I've ever not seen, the seen first any one. of them the first one's awesome uh i don't really think of it as a horror movie though but i think you and i are scared by different things it's more just like weird uh, than it is scary that kind of thing doesn't really scare me yeah. it just it it disturbs me a bit but it doesn't really scare me. It's always, as you know, it's always people and animals. It's odd given my, uh, my spiritual beliefs that, uh, like constant, like the demonic does not frighten me uh-huh. and it's just, you know, stupid people and animals. Um, but, uh, as opposed to, for example, friend of the show, Josh Long, who is, he doesn't care about people and animals, but like he, the shining is terrifying to him and I've never been frightened by it at mm. all. I find the shining kind of, kind of scary. There is, there is a shining maze at this year's Halloween Horror Nights, oh, okay. and that might be enough to get me to go. Yeah. Let's go, David. All right. Um, uh, Lincoln and Tim over What the Hell Are You Watching talked about Wonder Woman. Uh, that's what everyone's talking about. Um, let's see. Uh, you got the Chicago Rep Port, where uh, Aaron tells you what's going on in rep screenings in Chicago. Um, I don't think there was an L.A. Rep Port this week. Um, hmm. Hmm. I wonder what that's all about. Anyway, um, the movie meltdown guys looked at uh, semi-recent movie songs, so kind of a musical notation type of episode for them. Yeah, um, but West isn't happy about. We got that. a home video review of Voodoo Black Exorcist, uh, which was just put out by the Film Detective. Um, Jim, or sorry, um, uh, uh, yes, Jim. They're both Jims. Uh, Jim Rohner mm-hmm. uh, started a new series at ID Movies Badly on Jim Jarmusch uh, with yeah. our friend Kristen, uh, who's just on the show. And then this week he got reviews, my review of the Mummy and Ian's review of the Hero. Oh. So did we? Did we happen to mention my uh, my ten directors that could save the Alien franchise? Well, you know, what? we took so, so so long between episodes that I think that fell in that crack. Yeah. But yeah, you should definitely look that up. Tyler wrote a list of ten directors he thinks can save the Alien franchise, and there's some uh, some real um, uh, intriguing prospects there. I don't want to give too much away, yeah. and also there's. Uh, just you feeding your Jomé Collet Seurat, whatever that guy's name is, uh, <laughs> fanboyness. <laughs> I think he'd be good. Uh, you're into that guy. I got no uh, problem. There is, uh, I did find last night, for reasons I can't quite explain, uh, I was, I guess I'm just in an alien mood, although I guess I usually am. I was thinking like, you know what, I'm going to do another article that my 10 
favorite characters from the entirety of the Alien series, including Prometheus and uh, Alien Covenant. Spoilers, it's just David uh, from those movies. There's no other good characters. Any characters from AVP or AVP Requiem? No, those aren't canon. Okay. So I'm sticking with the canon. Thank you. Okay, so because AVP is not canon, that means that obviously Predator predator 2 and predators do not exist in the same world as the as the main alien franchise (sighs) i'm willing to i'm willing to say that's true yes because predator 2 of course includes an alien skull yeah so you know what maybe if i were doing a predator thing maybe i would include avp uh okay so the alien movies have given no indication that predators exist there Uh, so your yeah your contention here is that there are six alien movies Yes. Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Prometheus, and Alien Covenant. Right. And there are five Predator movies. Predator, Predator 2, Predators, Alien vs. Predator, and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. That's correct. And there's... Then, and soon to be The uh, Predator, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think uh, I was... Yeah, The Predator. So Which there's I'm about to be for. six. So a- AVP belongs to the Predator franchise, but not to the Alien franchise. That's the way I see it, yes. I'm willing to, to back you on that. Okay. Uh, even though I've seen none of... Neither of the AVP movies. Uh, and I've never seen Predator 2 or Predators. Predator 2 has a couple of moments. Predators is actually, I think, a, yes, it, it, there's some fan service in there, but I think it is unique enough on its own that, is, that it's, it's pretty good. I bought it. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you liked it enough you picked up a copy. Yeah, I have watched it a couple of times. Hey, speaking of Alien and Predator, okay. um, we did commentaries uh, for both of those movies. Not we for did. the franchise in the Predator case. Right. But um, that's something, you know, we talk about what's going on on the website every week. And every time we do one of these commentaries, we spend about a month uh, of episodes, you know, pushing them. But I don't want to give the impression that these commentaries go away after that month is up. Right. All of the commentaries we've ever recorded are available for purchase on the website. Pretty much everything we've ever recorded is available Mm. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, Yeah. I mean, there are early episodes we took out of the feed, but you can get them from Tyler if you give us 10 bucks. That's right. Seven. Um, I actually lowered it to seven. Okay. Seven bucks for the first 40 episodes, which is what we call them, even though it's actually fewer than 40 episodes. Um, Okay. But our commentaries, you got the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. You got the aliens. Right. You got slasher movies. That's right. You got Batman movies. Mm -hmm. You've got space invaders. Mm -hmm. Is that all of them? Am I missing zombies? Zombies. You got the zombies. Yeah. The, the zombathon. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. The, uh, we got the, 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 the first three George Romero zombie movies. And then, uh, uh, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead as well, um, which caused uh, some scheduling uh, mistakes on my part. And But you know what? It actually which made for to, a good day. Yeah, I mean, it, we wasted a lot of Kristen's time, but having her there all day ended up being yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, we wasted her time, but she made our day a lot better, so it all <laughs> yeah. worked out. Uh, but yeah, so those those commentaries are, are still available. We're actually very proud of them. Uh, I, and, they're, and they're tremendously fun. Uh, at least we have fun, and hopefully you do as well. You're welcome to, you know, buy them watch the or you know listen to them and uh drink along with us i don't drink but i do get <laughs> i do get punchy i usually so. have some drinks during the uh there was one that i didn't because i was sick was it the alien was i sick for the alien like you've been sick for two of them 
I think I was just sick for one. Yeah. But, uh, I think it was our second one, which I think was the alien one. Okay. Um, but yeah, so those are, so if you've, uh, you know, you saw alien covenant and you thought, yeah, this was pretty terrible. So what, uh, let's, let's go back to where it all started. A lot of people do like it. Yeah. A lot of people are incorrect. Okay. The first 20 minutes I will give you. All right. And there's a couple uh, thematic things going on, but that has, look, I know that we're digging, we're, we're dipping into our, uh, our uh, next movie journal, but like I have just been champing at the bit, not chomping, champing at the bit to talk about the alien covenant shower scene, which is in my opinion, the worst directorial decision Ridley Scott has ever made. And he's made some bad ones. All right. Yeah. It is astonishingly tone deaf. Oh, I can't wait to not ever see it. Um, (laughs) Let's uh, at the 39 minute mark. Let's get into it, shall we? We don't have that much to get into. This is our, our annual LA Film Fest preview, right? Um, uh, which is a fun episode because I always get excited for LA Film Fest uh, every every year. But um, we won't. Be, we, we can't say too much about these films because one of the things that I love about LA Film Fest is that it t- tends to be a lot of films from you know first time directors or directors that I haven't heard of, um, and there are a lot of movies that haven't been playing the. You know when you've got you know, we talk about Sundance, you've got a lot of, you know, big directors, you know, right. making, making, you know, you're bringing debuts there, you know, your Kenneth Lonigan's, your D Reese's, your that kind of stuff. Um, and then we talk about AFI Fest. That's AFI Fest is the culmination of a year of festivals. Those movies yeah. have been playing festivals. You know what to be excited for. One of the things that's so fun about LA Film Fest is the, is the sense of discovery. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're seeing a, a lot of stuff you haven't heard anything about. And then in some cases you might barely ever hear about, right. uh, uh, again, um, which well, is unfortunate in some, in some cases I've seen like, there's a movie I saw there last year called blood stripe. Um, that I, you know, considered putting on, uh, at least my honorable mentions about my top 10 at the end of the year, but decided I shouldn't because it never really got a release, which <laughs> is, it's unfortunate. It's about a soldier, um, uh, dealing with PTSD. Uh, uh it's a really good movie, uh, directed by, um, Okay, who's the? There's the actor. Is it Rene Abershunwai or is it oh, Remy? Yeah. Uh, Rene, I believe. It's Rene. Then yeah. his son is Remy, and that's who directed it. Okay, I always forget which one's which, and he's in it too. The, oh, the, the older uh, Abershunwai. Uh, yes, I remember you telling me about that. It did sound good. It seems odd. Like it's the amount of shit that gets released. Yeah. How is it that a a good movie? Yeah, it probably would find an audience. Maybe not the not the biggest audience, but it would find an audience. Like, how does that not go anywhere? Yeah, I I, I don't know. And sometimes movies. Uh, well, I mean, I guess like one of the other big ones from last year was um, Painted Black, the the uh, Amber Tamblyn's directorial debut, and that right. is getting. I don't think it's gotten released yet, but it is getting a release and getting some press, which is yeah. good. It's a it's a good and weird movie. Yeah. Um, I don't mean we. I mean. Storyline is not that weird, but it's an odd like, um, it's it's an odd way for a first direct, first time director to go. And I'm really in, I was really into that movie. Eventually, I struggled with it at first. I think I saw it with our friend Scott, and he walked out of the theater going, "That was great." And I was like, "I don't know what I saw." And then like by over the next few weeks, I was like, "Yeah, I think that was really good. I think that was great." Um, I feel like by and large, whenever I see a movie. And I walk out saying, I don't know what I just saw. Uh-huh. I think on principle that gets it at least to a B minus for me. Okay. And then once I think more of it, then it'll probably rock it up to like an A level. Yeah. And that's pretty much exactly what happened with, with painted black. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a movie that is, that is so, 
like melodramatic and baroque in its sensibilities and 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 uh you know purple is the word i would use yeah. for it um that's i think i had some initial like resistance against like there's no sense of irony or subtlety to this and then i realized like oh that's a really strong choice that she's making yeah um and and using uh to great purpose uh and uh, i really liked it and then other movies i think my first um my first LA film festival which was been 2013. I saw a documentary which ended up getting some release, uh, called, what was it called? We talked about it a lot. Um, the expedition to the end of the world. Oh, we sure. talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. Which was a documentary about, so there was a part of like Greenland that had been inaccessible to humans for thousands of years because of glaciers mm-hmm. and the glaciers, um, were melting and ships could get in there. And so, someone decided to send a ship full of scientists and artists to go explore the, for the, to be the first, like among the first people to show up and walk around and explore. And, uh, so they're, you know, they're sketching or they're taking measurements or doing whatever science and artists do, but also they're just talking about the difference between science and art and which one's more important and what the uses of them are. Such a fucking cool movie. That and also great. it's full of Metallica music, which is so weird. <laughs> I'm sure I said this when you mentioned it, that like it, does sound like the setup to a horror movie like the idea of scientists and artists like you have yeah and and you have long stretches of like oh nothing has happened like they discover this horrible thing that's killing them one Uh by one and you have long stretches where they're just like sitting there and they start to wax philosophical but like one of but you know philosophical for an artist is very different than philosophical for a scientist and so like you know, there's a so somebody should should adapt this documentary this documentary into a horror film I think one of my favorite lines, I don't know if you say lines when you're talking about a documentary, but sure. your favorite lines, they come back to what like they're like one of their setups and they realize that a polar bear has gotten in and destroyed all their shit. Hmm. And they're just like going through all the stuff. Um, and I, I can't remember what brand I want to say. It was like, let's say it was Oreos. I can't remember what it was Oreos, some kind of cookie. And the one uh, artist guy goes, Oh, the Oreos were quite popular <laughs> like <laughs> because the polar bears had apparently really enjoyed the Oreos. They were torn to, <laughs> torn to pieces. I loved it. Um, all right. That's enough. Yeah. Let's talk That's about the past. The, Let's talk about the future. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, I, I could go, I guess, uh, sort of alphabetically, through, you know, not through everything. Cause there are, are a lot of, uh, a lot of movies, um, coming up, but, uh, uh, just the ones that sort of, uh, that I, that had leaped out, left out to me as being of, of interest. Um, uh, there's a movie called, 20 weeks, uh, which stars among other people. He's like eighth build, but for you and I, Richard really, or, or hey, real? all right. We, 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 we love him. Um, um, a couple of 30 somethings in love and expecting a baby when a health condition that could impact their unborn child is discovered during a routine scan. Mm, um, that sounds very interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a question already. Sorry. This please, is my, this please. is my role. Uh, I, I love it. Do these. I love it because there's not much other than like skimming the, Descriptions. There's not much for yeah. me to say about these. So somebody like Richard Reilly, um, now you and I could probably rattle off a fair number of films that he has been in. I sure. know that you know my first thought, oddly enough, is The Fugitive, but he oh, yeah. is, he is an actor that's very much a hey, it's that guy. He's been in a number of things. Would you say? that the average person would think office space. Like I, I think if because I think him. that's probably still, I mean, like I, like I said, I, we both have seen him in plenty of things, but I probably go to office space first too. Okay. And the, the jump to conclusions, Matt. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and it's just, he has that wonderful moment where, where he clearly wants them to ask him about his jump to conclusions, Matt. Uh And, uh, (laughs) but there's a long pause and they're like, really, what was this idea of yours? And he goes, well, all right. And just like, as not, not not like, well, all right, not like Matthew McConaughey, but just like, well, all right, you twisted my arm. Here's what it is. But he just has this big dopey smile on his face. It's a really great performance. Um, yeah. And then the second thing I maybe think of him in, because it's such a, um, it's in some way, it's very much a typical Richard Reilly performance, but then, uh, the character also has a part that you don't expect from it. Did you ever see palindromes, the Todd Solons? I did not. So he, Richard Reilly plays, I don't know if we're saying his name right. If it's real or really, I believe really is what it is. Um, but he plays a, um, uh, a, a doctor, um, who examines the, do you know the premise of, palindromes that uh, a little bit a yes girl teenage girl gets pregnant and um her mother forces her to have an abortion um the abortion i guess goes um i mean the baby is aborted but there's also an accident now this kid this teenager will never be able to have children again and she runs away from home okay. and so it's a it becomes a very episodic thing and the hook i guess is that in each episode the character is played by a different actor. Oh, okay. All right. Um, and so at, at one point she's like, it's taken in by this sort of like children's home, you know, foster home type of thing. And Richard really plays the doctor that examines her. And he seems like a very kindly, Richard really type of character. Um, but then like we see after the examination, he, um, pulls the pair the foster parents aside to tell them that the hymen has been broken at this, this girl is a slut. <laughs> like, oh, it's like a sudden chilling, uh, turn, uh, from him. I'm looking at his, uh, filmography right now and boy, oh boy, he is not slowed down, uh, at all. Yeah. And for some reason I, I seem to recall him being in, and so I'm looking, was he in Mystery? He was in Mysterious Skin. I believe he is one of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's uh, clients. Oh, and I remember thinking that was a very powerful performance. And I was like, I mean, not so powerful that I couldn't immediately place it. But uh, but yeah, and it was the same year as uh, Palindrome. So I guess he was doing some rough stuff that year. <laughs> but uh, anyway, sorry. Okay, we do need to move on. I apologize. Yeah. Um, although I, there was a time uh, I've moved out of that neighborhood, but I used to see Richard Reilly all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, um, that's what you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, at a certain, uh, a certain, at a certain diner. I've seen him at a lot. Which one? Uh, oh, you can I'll, tell me off air. Uh, I'll say house of pies. You've been to house of pies right on Vermont. Vermont oh yeah. yeah. And Franklin there. Uh, all right. All right. So there's a documentary. I'm not, again, I'm not going to go through everything, but a documentary called Abu, um, which is uh, Arshad. Soon after, I remember getting from Pakistan to Canada with his parents and sister. Arshad, Arshad realized he was gay. Merging clips from Bollywood films, animation, and home movies that capture awkward teen phases, as well as significant life revelations. Arshad narrates his own cathartic journey alongside his entire families. That's that's great. Yeah, that's that's a uh, high on my list actually of 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 things to see. Um, so there are also some big movies that tend to have like, uh, premieres or early screenings. Right. Like, you know, they did, I think Monsters university and man of steel and like these things all like sort of, uh, were opening night films at LA film fest. They have nothing to do with the rest of the festival. My past doesn't get me in right. to these, but there's always one or two like big studio releases that kick off the festival. Uh, this year we've got Annabelle creation, 
which is the we saw a, uh, a clip from yeah, that. That's it true. Looked pretty good. It did, it did look all right. I have to say, yeah. Um, uh, they're also showing the beguiled, which um, I'm uh, seeing next week. Yeah, you're seeing, and I hope you're writing something for BattleshipRetention.com. Um, Why wouldn't I? Oh, right, because you I took, took it, it on behalf of more than one lesson, right. but none of the BP writers could oh, make it. Okay, well, that's so I hope you'll post your <laughs> review in both places. You know what? I will give more than one lesson a 30 minute head start. um all right the uh uh the big sick which i'm excited about i'm I'm seeing seeing that one i've heard great things about that movie uh yeah ray romano's really good in it oh that doesn't surprise me i like ray romano um did you watch men of a certain age i did not and you know what now that i now that you mentioned it's like i had heard that he was really great on that so then he was also on uh parenthood for a while um so he's like i haven't seen that the the more serious i don't think i ever saw i saw one or two of the parenthood episodes but yeah the more serious Ray Romano is like, it's not a new development. You just got to catch up, Tyler. I guess so. It's, uh, it would be interesting if, uh, cause I remember at, at, uh, Sundance when I was hearing about, you know, the best things and the best supporting actors and the best lead actors, like Ray Romano kept getting mentioned for supporting. And I remember thinking like, wouldn't it be weird if Ray Romano was nominated for an Academy Award? Mm-hmm. Except, I mean, maybe it wouldn't be that weird, but it's certainly comedians have before, but it's just like... Jonah Hill's been nominated twice. Twice, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just... He's an Academy Award nominated person. He sure is. <laughs> um, uh, include, I would say other stuff that I've heard of, The Book of Henry... No one, uh, speaking of things that no one at BP wanted to go to the screening for. You know what? <laughs> also because it's like in a uh, Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Which yeah, is if, I, if I was not doing school stuff, I think I would have gone just because like, oh, I think I've got this year's demolition, which is very exciting. <laughs> uh, Brigsby Bear, which like was at Sundance and sounds like the most Sundance movie. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. it's... Uh, uh, sheltered 25 year old James Pope lives with his parents, studies and does chores. He devotes his free time to Brigsby bear, a TV show that follows the curious adventures of a man sized bear between parsing episodes for clues and chatting on forums about Brigsby's antics. James barely notices his rampant loneliness until one day he abruptly discovers that his life isn't what he thought it was. Uprooted, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, All right. Do you uh, know what it, what his life is? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Yeah, I do. And I won't spoil it, but, uh, what I will um, say, uh, but, uh, it's, but it's stars Kyle Mooney, uh, of whom I am a big fan. I don't actually um, know if I've seen anything. Uh, Saturday Night Live. He's a Saturday Night Live guy. Uh, and he was also, um, in, um, <laughs> uh, what was the Michael Showalter? Not the big sick. The last one. Hello. My name is Doris. He had a, had a oh, small, okay. but very funny role in that. Okay. Um, as a character who's basically his, he's in like one or two scenes and his whole, like, his defining character is that he just has a filthy mouth and <laughs> Sally Field is like, you know, an, old, an older lady. And yeah. he just like has, is not even attempting to wash his mouth around her. And it is often very funny. That's funny. Um, yeah. Uh, I will mention, I think he says she has her pen and he's like, and no one has any fucking pens. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I know that uh, Hello, My Name is Doris was not super well received, uh, but I know some people liked it. It's it's middle of the road stuff. I can um, see that. So there's been, this year is the, to moving on to a new movie, um, this is the 25th anniversary of the riots in 1992, and there's been a lot of attention. Yes. Uh, there was LA 92, mm. um, and there was Let It Fall, I think was the other one, which both uh, are documentaries that are on TV. And there's another documentary on the subject playing at 
uh, LA Film Fest, which probably will not be on TV, at least not under this name. It's called Burn Motherfucker Burn. Right. Um, and uh, I'm excited uh, about that. I, I'm pretty sure I have both of the other ones DVR'd, the ones that aired on TV. Uh, it's a, I don't know if excited is uh, the right word, but I do, I am very interested in the subject. Yeah. Um, what are your memories? Did you still live in California in 1992? Yeah, we lived in Ventura. So not, um, no, not too far at all. I yeah. Mean, uh, yeah. Especially we were, given that it was the, the, the Rodney King verdict that set it off, which yep. was in Ventura County, right? Uh, it was in the, the, I believe it was, it was yes. in Simi Valley, which is in Ventura County. Right. In uh, 805. It's far enough away from Ventura, um, that I don't think there is anybody. I think there are people that were concerned like, Oh, uh, no, I mean the riots were in Los Angeles, but right. the, the flashpoint was the verdict. And that was, yes. Uh, just South of where you lived. Yeah, it was in a very, uh, extremely white, uh, place. I think that was, uh, a, a, yeah. a big hey, part I was of it with that literally injury. just in Simi Valley on Friday. I'm in Simi Valley all the time. That's right. It, That's where my wife is from. That's and correct. so I'm constantly in Simi Valley. Um, yeah, I do remember, uh, you know, I was a kid, I was watching the, I was watching them on TV and my, my parents, not that they weren't necessarily like worried that it was going to spread or anything like that. But, uh, uh, they were, uh, concerned that, uh, people, uh, could get hurt. Uh, and I don't remember my parents view on the Rodney King verdict in general. Um, my hope is that, uh, they thought like, yeah, that doesn't seem super great. Uh, you know, anybody saw that the even videos, I, even I yeah. as a kid saw that for that yeah. footage of him getting beaten and just seemed like really, you know what? Inappropriate. I'll say that uncalled for uncalled for out of line. <laughs> <laughs> uh you're hanging by a thread actually that's that's a little bit too dramatic i guess um yeah so uh one thing actually that i uh meant to mention so this summer i am interning for friend of the show although not an official episode steven farber he's a film critic that wasn't an official episode I'm i don't remember. think it was i thought it was one where i was gone and you just didn't know i thought it was a regular episode but maybe uh maybe. i think it timed out because he and i were just talking about the oscar nominees um and oh. i don't think it was an official episode okay uh but anyway so steven farber is a film critic who uh has a, a series called real talk in which he screens films uh once every week yeah in Los Angeles and then has a Q and a with, you know, the director, the actor or something like that from the film. And so I'm helping him out with that. So I've, so yeah, I've, I've actually, we went through like all the movies that are coming out over the next several months and tried to figure out like what would be the best ones for his audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm actually excited cause I've actually, I've heard of a lot of these and they, and some sound pretty oh. good and some sound absolutely insufferable is steven farber going to be doing burn motherfucker burn i don't think so uh but he's fun i've been to documentaries are, are something that he leans towards yeah i think that uh, i went to the the real talk for um the the gore Vidal, uh best of enemies oh interesting okay um, yeah and then he also like i also went to one i don't know if it was part of the real talk series because it was an older movie mm-hmm. he did um there's no business like show business um, with uh, Q and A before the screening with Mitzi Gaynor because she said that she was like I'm old and I'm doing the Q and A first and I'm staying around to do <laughs> yeah. the Q and A at nine thirty at night uh, and she was a she was a delight Mitzi Gaynor. Um, speaking of uh, we you know we we, we tend I, I I joked about like Kyle Mooney's character 
being foul mouthed in front of uh, Sally Field, but old people have heard it all. Oh yeah, you know. And so Mitch Gaynor was talking about um, how Ethel Merman hated Marilyn Monroe when they're making the no business like show business because she was always late, and Ethel Merman would be like, "Where the fuck's the blonde?" <laughs> 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 I love a fucking parade. That was the original uh, version of that song. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so I will say that I will be at every one of those screenings. And so uh, listeners, if you're in the L.A. area, check out the Real Talk film series and uh, and come to one. And, uh, you know, if you have a question, I might be running towards you with a microphone. That's <laughs> part of, that's part of my job. So anyway. don't ask stupid questions, though. Please Stephen don't Farber, ask stupid questions. Stephen Farber's yes. time is precious. Yes. And he has a wicked temper. That's not actually true. <laughs> <laughs> Nicest um, guy I've ever met. Uh, all right. We've got a movie uh, called Fat Camp. Uh, this is in the L.A. Muse category, okay. which is usually movies that take place uh, in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, it's called uh, called Fat Camp, directed by Jennifer Arnold, and starring, among others, Mel Rodriguez from oh, okay. Last Man on Earth. He's great. And the great uh, Vivica A. Fox. So that's uh, hmm. a, a movie that takes place at a fat camp, I'm assuming. I'm not going to read the... We'll be here all night if I read the descriptions of every one of these. Mel Rodriguez is great. Uh, he a, really is. Did you... Wait, were you at the... Comic Con um, Last Minute Earth panel when uh, Will Forte talked about casting Mel Rodriguez. Uh, I was not. Okay, so Will Forte and Mel Rodriguez were in The Watch together. Do you remember that movie? The neighbor. It was called Neighbor yeah, Watch, and they changed yeah. the name. And Mel Rodriguez's character like almost doesn't talk at all during the movie. Yeah, it's very funny. And Will Forte was telling the story like that's how I met him. But like they, the amount of time they spent because they shot it like in. Louisiana or Georgia or one of those places where all movies are made now. Mm-hmm. And the amount of time they spent hanging out offset was way more than they spent on set. And so they just became friends. And because they spent so little time on set together and because, because Mel Rodriguez's character had like no lines, Will Forte kind of forgot he was an actor, just thought he was like his friend Mel. Yeah. And so when he was writing the character of Todd on Last One Earth, he was like, we need a guy like Mel to play this character. <laughs> and he was like saying that for like a week or two before it occurred to him like, Oh right, Mel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he was, uh, I, and I haven't seen, I haven't seen him at all on last, uh, man on earth, but I did see him in community and he was very funny in the watch for the short time that he was in it. And, uh, yeah, it's, Oh, you don't know what you're missing with not, not having watched him on last one. Earth. I know he's so great. Maybe this summer I'll catch up on some stuff. There you go. Um, okay. Um, I don't know what this is. A movie called G funk featuring a performance by Warren G. That sounds awesome. Um, I'm not going to click on it though. Cause we got, we're going to have all night here. Um, the housemaid is a Vietnamese movie. Uh, Lynn, a young woman who lost her family to war, takes a housemaid position at a plantation in the remote woods of French Indochina in 1953. So this is 20 years before the f- French plantation sequence in the Apocalypse Now Redux, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I'm assuming it's in canon, so, you know, extended sure. universe. That's what everyone's doing now. Uh, surprised by the revelations surrounding grounds of the resting place of a large number of previous workers, Lynn's sleep is disrupted by nightmares. Ooh, this sounds good. She finds unexpected comfort in the arms of the handsome and widowed owner, Sebastian, until his dead wife seemingly emerges to object. Oh, this sounds fucking awesome. (laughs) I like, I've been reading about these movies and I think I've kind of forgotten what each one is about, but like I'm scrolling through, I'm like, Oh right. The housemaid, that sounded good. And so now I'm like rereading about it for the first time. It's like Blythe spirit. Um, I never saw Blythe spirit. It's not very good, but it's also like Rebecca, which is very good. Okay. 
Uh, Ingrid Goes West is a movie that played, uh, I think, at Sundance and is playing. Uh, it's the closing night film here, directed by Matt Spicer, starring Aubrey Plaza, Elizabeth o- Olsen, O'Shea Jackson, uh, and Wyatt Russell, and Palm Clementif, who was recently in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. She was uh, the the funny lady. Uh, Mantis is that her name? Oh yes, yes, yeah. okay. She was great, right? Yeah, I liked her a lot. Um, this one I'm going to click on because it has a great title. It's called "It Stains the Sands Red." Uh, I think this is another uh, horror one. Yes. Uh, on a lonely two-lane two-lane highway in southern Nevada, Molly and her boyfriend Nick have put Las Vegas and the encroaching zombie apocalypse in their rearview mirror. During an unexpected stop, a lone traveler stumbles into view, and Nick scrambles for his gun in the glove department. Poor aim, an empty clip, and a rut in the sand leave the couple trapped in their car and face to face with their darkest fears. I do like that you said department and not compartment. Uh, Did I say I, department? Yeah, the glove department. I, I went to the glove department <laughs> at my local Target. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, that was one that, uh, I believe Steven and I were going through cause his, his audience is primarily like older, well to do, uh, people. And so he said, that sounds really good. He goes, I don't think my audience would go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I'm not going to read the description of this one, but it's called the keeping hours and it stars Lee Pace, Kerry Coon and Amy smart. Uh, so those are all, like all of them people that I like. Uh, another, a lot of these were at Sundance, it turns out, uh, Lady Macbeth, um, which I think I am seeing that, but I think I, I have a screening, so I might not, I might skip seeing it at the festival right. because I already have a screening. Um, but that's, it's not based on Macbeth. Um, uh, anyway, I won't, I won't read more about it. You can watch the trailer online. The Little Hours, speaking of Sundance is playing. I've already seen that. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, I saw it at Sundance. You can read my review on the website. Um, it's doing, you know, between you and me, Tyler, that review is getting us a lot of, a lot of traffic. Oh, is it? Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Cause they keep putting out trailers and I guess every time someone puts out a trailer, people go to IMDb and they see right. like, Oh, let's see reviews and we're right at the top. So right at the top. we've been getting a lot of, a lot of traffic off that little hours <laughs> review. <laughs> guess I made a good decision. Well, going, I don't like this. Going to see little hours. Uh, Marty, I've already seen, uh, and talked about on the movie journal. Um, that's the movie starring, uh, uh, Sally Hawkins and Ethan Hawke, Hawk and Hawkins together mm-hmm. at last. Um, Sally Hawkins plays Maudie. Uh, it's a, it's the true story of, uh, it's a biopic, I guess, of, uh, what you'd ca- I guess you'd call an outsider artist. Uh, this woman who sold paintings by the roadside in Nova Scotia and became quite popular mm-hmm. in the sixties and seventies. Um, what is this? Uh, I don't know what this is it's called midnighters. Good title. I don't know what it's about. Um, Oh, a Midsummer Night's Dream. This is a. Again? If you can imagine, this is a modern telling. I guess. Um, yeah, didn't they just do this? They just did it. With Joss Whedon? Yeah. I guess we, like we say just, ago. but like three years ago, like. It's a lot of time. Do you ever think about. Like, five years to you and me now is like. Not a long time ago. Yeah. But like. Like the Dark Knight Rises, not a long time ago, right? Yeah. Fairly recent movie. But people who are like in college now were like in middle school when Dark Knight Rises came out. Oh yeah, and that seems like a chasm of time. That's like when I was a kid. Type, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm very aware of that with my students who I'm who are almost half my age. Um, right. That uh, you know we'll be talking about. Movies Technically, and- they're a little more than half your age. When you say almost, you're saying going that way, right? Because if they were, you're 35, they were half your age, they'd be, 
I feel like, oh gosh, that's hard to say. When you say almost, it sounds like you're saying they're less than half your age. Right? Right. But I think you're saying from your point of view, they're just more than half your age. Because they're like what? They're 18? They're 18. 18 times 2 is 36. You're not 36. Right. So they're more than half your age. But just barely. Uh, Oh, boy. Which is what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. But it could be taken two ways. Yeah, I don't like that one bit. <laughs> I don't like what you just said, and it's exhausting me because uh, now I feel like I didn't mean to go into a, like a math session or something like that. But well, um, that's what you get. But yeah, that's that's know, something in talking about movies that. But yeah, in any case, you're right. There was a Midsummer Night's Dream in black and white, directed by. Uh, no, that's much ado about nothing. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, is that what we're thinking of? Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. That's much to do about nothing. Because yeah, there yeah. was a Midsummer Night's Dream in like 99 with Kevin Klein as bottom. There were two of them like in 99. Oh. One of them was much higher profile than the other, but... Okay. Uh, yeah, we are thinking much to do about nothing. Our, okay, yeah. Okay. We're, All right, Midsummer Night's Dream. Hey, we're due. Yeah, we're due. And there's another, uh, you know, current, whatever, telling. Uh, but check out this cast. Okay. You got Lily Rabe. I'm a big fan. Hamish Linklater. Finn Whitrock. Rachel Lee Cook. Where's okay. she been? Yeah. Uh, Fran Kranz. Okay. Um, Ted fucking Levine. Oh. And uh, Paz de la Huerta. Who's Ted Levine play? Does it say? Uh, does it say? No, it doesn't say. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it doesn't say. And I just lost my golden place. I saw Frank, uh, Fran Kranz on the street the other day. Did you? And uh, How's he doing? He seems to be doing that's, all right. That's a very Tyler line. Yeah, I know. What's he up to? How's he doing? Uh, oh, here's an interesting one. Monkey Business, The Adventures of Curious George's Creators. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, is that an interesting story? I guess I, it is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, yes. Okay. I'm very interested in this one called My Friend Dahmer. Um, which is based on based on the true life graphic novel by Dahmer, Dahmer by, by uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's high school friend John hmm. Bacter. I don't know if you heard about that graphic novel. No. But, yeah, there's a guy who uh, was yeah friends with Jeffrey Dahmer and wrote a graphic novel about it, and so uh, there's a movie about it. Um, I don't know who's playing. Is it a narrative or is it a? It's a narrative. Yeah, okay. it's a fictional film or you know narrative film. Uh, it stars. I don't know who's playing Dahmer, but it also stars uh, Anne Heche, uh Dallas Roberts. Um, oh yeah, I like him. And Vincent Carthizer. Hey. So good stuff there, right? Sure. Okay. If you say so. Um, what is this one? Did I mean to click on this? Nocturne. Spanish or, oh, sorry, Mexico, Spanish language. Yeah, it looks good. Um, <laughs> the big thing for me, like the big film that is actually from a director that I uh, have heard of and am a fan of, um, is the new Hong Sing Su movie on the beach at night alone. Um, that's playing. I looked up that schedule. It's playing at like nine forty-five at night or something. And I, you know, I got to work the next morning. Um, Another Sundance movie, Patty Cakes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is playing there. Um, that looks delightful. Um, you got any more questions? Usually you ask more questions at this point. No, sorry. I was looking to see who plays uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, and it's uh, this guy, Ross Lynch. Right, I saw the I name. Like I'm saying I didn't know what he was. He's a musician, I believe. I feel like I've oh? heard of him somewhere. Go I don't on. I remember. 
Yeah, like he's known for Teen Beach movie. He's I guess he's sort of like uh like the new Zach Efron. Hmm. Uh but yeah, like he's he's a singer, I think he's part of a band. Um but yeah, sorry. Uh, we can move on. I have Okay. Um this is a documentary called uh, Skid Row Marathon. Uh, from his seat as a Los Angeles Superior Court judge, Craig Mitchell hands down sentences to convicted criminals. But at the midnight mission on L.A. Skid Row, Judge Mitchell trades his robes for running shoes, leading a long-distance running club that gives its members a sense of purpose and pride. A budding artist, a single mom, and a former rock musician are among the members, all of whom were fighting their way out of homelessness, addiction, or the prison system. Through the streets of L.A. and around the world, Judge Mich- Mitchell and the Midnight Mission runners truly approach each race and each day one step at a time as they run their way toward a brighter future. That sounds great. It sounds really cool. And they're also doing, actually, I think uh, it's tomorrow morning. I'll be at work, unfortunately, but they're doing a, a run at 5.45 a.m. on Skid Row. Oh. <laughs> um, I got a press release about that. Uh, and that is the first of many reasons why I could never do something like that. <laughs> um, oh, this here's a documentary that uh, caught my eye because of the title, because, you know, okay. I love a pun. Yeah. So um, first I'm going to read some of the description, then I'm going to tell you the title. Oh, boy. Uh, at age 29, film, it's a documentary, uh, I think. At age 29, filmmaker Sarah Lamb discovers she was conceived via an anonymous sperm donor. Working with only a handful of clues, she finds Jennifer, a woman, potentially Sarah's biological sister, who was conceived at the same hospital at the same time in the 1970s. What's more, Jennifer has managed to chart a complex family tree through her sophisticated use of at-home DNA tests and online genetic ancestry databases. Do you want to know what the movie is called? What? Thank you for coming. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, that's a great name. I'm all for it. I think that's fantastic. I'm uh, putting it at the top of my list. How is it spelled? It's spelled like the word coming. Okay, got it. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're not making a porn title here. Yeah. Um, here's another um, um, documentary called 246, Born and Raised in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, Pierre... Valmera's dedication, skill set, and six foot eight frame garnered him an NCAA basketball scholarship at Union University, Tennessee, and a brief international career abroad. Uh, so it's about a Haitian uh, basketball player, but it includes music by Godspeed You Black Emperor, which is a band that I like. Um, and I, I think, wish I, I, wish I knew more like, music. I think you would like them too. Um, Was it on one of your playlists? Uh, no, I don't think I've put any right. Godspeed. Um, but actually on, um, um, I can't remember which band member, but on, um, Vic Chestnut's last tour before he died, he had, mm. uh, members of, uh, at least one member, one or two members of Godspeed, you black emperor in his touring band. Um, you know, I saw him, Natalie and I saw him like three weeks to the day before he died. We saw him at, oh, the, wow. at the Echoplex. Uh, that was only my second time. I only got to see him twice. Um, but you know, I'm glad for both of them. And uh, rest in peace, Vic Chestnut. How, right? long ago, how long ago did he die? It was a while ago, right? This was probably... God, was it 2009? Was it that long ago? Was it eight years ago? I feel like it was more than five anyway. Yeah, I mean, it was right before Christmas. It was, I think... I mean, I think it might have been Christmas when he died. Did he die, did he die on Christmas oh, Day? I don't know that. It was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day when he when he died because I remember being in St. Louis at my mom's house when I when I found out. Um, okay, uh, and then you know we're pretty much wrapped up here. Uh, here's a Netflix original. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't get buried. It's called You Get Me. 
um, started, uh, directed by Brent Barna Corso um, and starring Jennifer Esposito and uh, Bella Thorne. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have any questions on any of these, Tyler? Uh, Should I do just the last one alphabetically just to wrap things sure. up? Sure. The last one alphabetically is called Your Own Road. It's in the LA Muse section. It's directed by Brandon Buchek. Um, no actors I've heard of. Fresh out of film school, Brian is determined not to let the lack of an opportunity, lack of opportunity in small town Iowa, Iowa Nope, Ohio, keep him from his dreams. Despite his father's overbearing insistence that he find a real job, Brian applies for every film production assistant job he can find in Los Angeles. Been there, Brian. When he finally lands an interview, he, pro- he ropes in his nerdy best friend, Dan, whose girlfriend just cheated on him what? to come along for a bromantic road trip across the country. The buddy that dynamic quickly turns into an awkward third wheel situation when Brian also invites his troubled high school crush. <laughs> awkward. Somewhere between Kansas City and Las Vegas, Dan picks up a free-spirited hippie hitchhiker. Wow. That uh, is despite like being in the, movies. Yeah, despite being in the same car, the 420-somethings are all on vastly different paths until Brian's grand ambitions are threatened, inspiring them to come together. To I fight mean, against the trucker that is terrorizing <laughs> them. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't want to, you know, uh, I wish this guy all the luck in the world, and the movie, that sounds awful. <laughs> it really, the, the thing is, like, what is it, L.A. Muse, was it? Yeah. Okay, so that in itself makes me just, it. I know it's not officially self-indulgent, but it feels self-indulgent to me. Uh-huh. That it's like, yes, yes, yes. But we're the LA film festival. What about us? And it's like, <laughs> I, do other film festivals do that? They might. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be Ugh. surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if other ones, but it's except there's more novelty. If, yeah, exactly. If it's like, Oh, this movie actually takes place in Tennessee and we're the national film festival. That makes sense. There's That's more exciting. novelty to it. Los Angeles. It's like, yeah, this is, this is where most of the movies get yeah. made. And it's, and it really does. It's as if to say like, don't forget about us. Like, as we're making movies about other people, let's not forget that we're also very important. Yeah. And yeah, that, that story, it sounds very personal to him and good for him, but at the same time, it is not unusual. Yeah. Uh, and, but All right. who knows? Uh, you should, you know what? You should see it on principle. Okay. We'll and, see. Uh, and let us know how, how it goes. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, you will be writing reviews, was, right? Yeah, I'll be writing okay. reviews and then we'll do in two weeks, we'll do a wrap up episode, um, uh, with, um, someone who was, who was there. It's usually Kyle. Okay. But I don't know if Kyle's free. We'll see who else, uh, is, is attending the festival. Absolutely. So, um, you can find us at battleship You can email us at David at battleship especially if you've got ask BP questions, um, our video mailbag segment, send those to David at battleship or, uh, you know, don't for a couple weeks because we have a bunch of questions oh, do we? Oh, okay. and we, yeah, we, we could probably bank a few next time we have time to record one of those. Okay. Um, and, or you can email Tyler or Tyler at battleship you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Davey Pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler Pretension. Tyler also has another podcast. Uh, it's called More Than One Lesson. Uh, that's where you can read. Apparently, you can read a review of The Beguiled there half an hour before you can read it at BattleshipPretension.com. Not yet, though. I haven't seen it. <laughs> no, I'm saying when it comes out. Am I seeing, first I have to see 47 meters down. Am I seeing that for BP or MTOL? That's definitely for BP. Okay, all yeah. right. Just making sure. I, I'm not sending you, if you got an invite forwarded from me, that's not for more than one lesson. No, I know, but I forget where oh, I, I where it came from first. Um, but yeah, so that no, I as even though you and I are co-editors, I essentially assigned you forty-seven meters down. 
<laughs> Whereas beguiled, you are seeing under your own auspices. I don't like this way of thinking at all. <laughs> you simply, you presented it to me, and then I made my own decision whether or not I was going to see it. Thank I you see. very okay. much. Uh, but of course, I was going to see it, obviously. Um, and it looks really stressful. And I can't, I We're talking about 47 meters down, yeah. right? Not the beguiled, which also, I don't know, could it, be It could be, yeah. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I knew as soon as I got that, I was like, I can't make this. If Tyler can, he's definitely going... Of course. I like sharks. <laughs> I do. Um, I liked, uh, I like the shallows and then I like this and it just looks it, because it's not merely like a shark movie. It's also a stranded type movie, right. uh, but stranded underwater, which is a, a neat idea. So, um, over at more than one lesson, I will say that, uh, the most recent episode is kind of unusual. Um, this quarter, I was part of a, a, a class uh, that was about film festival programming, mm-hmm. and the final project is you essentially craft your own film festival. And so I did one that is, you know, it's Christian-based, but I wanted it to be different than the other Christian film festivals and have it be filled with movies that are good. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, you can hear me detail. I essentially read through the program that I wrote for this non-existent film festival. And uh, so you're welcome to go and listen to that. And maybe, because uh, these are all films that ex- that have already been released, in some cases, uh, 80 years ago. And so you can... Uh, you could you could put this festival together for yourself and your friends. Your friends aren't interested, but uh, but it's something you could conceivably do. So uh, so that's what that's what I did. And then I don't actually know if I'm going to be able to record an episode this coming week. Okay. Uh, well, in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram as well. Sure. Some pretension. And uh, is that all we do? Is there another thing we say usually? It's been a while. Um, I don't think so. You can like right. us on Facebook. Uh, sure, if you want. Plenty um, of other people have. Uh, absolutely. Numbers have really gone up. I appreciate that. Uh, Facebook, I, 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 I check my Facebook fairly regularly. I just never do anything. Cause yeah. I'm mostly checking to see if I've been invited to things. <laughs> all right. That's what I use it for. Um, and I got a little uh, notice from Facebook that said something like, uh, it has been... 192 weeks since you've updated like something like that uh it was very funny all right um thanks for listening we'll get you next time This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 